0: Welcome to the Baseball SDL Podcast brought to you by Dave Sinclair Ford, JJ Bailey with you, Chris Raby joins me down here in Jupiter, and we're talking Cardinals baseball, recapping camp, and all the questions we have moving forward. No Zika, no Zika for me.
1: The Z word. Don't we, joke
0: about that. Patient zero, man. I'll bring it back to <laughs> St. Louis. I feel like there's a lot of weird stuff in Florida,
1: like... There's, it's I don't want to be demeaning place. to the great city or the great state or the great si- Jupiter is not really Florida Jupiter Palm Beach are like uh, obviously very very rich yeah nice and anything near the water in Florida I feel like is really nice once you get really like inland and you're talking about people that that haven't seen the water in like months and maybe yeah. years then then it starts <laughs> to get weird.
0: Yeah, it's true. There well there's a I'm in Lake Worth. There's a uh there's a liquor store a couple blocks from me. Uh there's yeah, there's some characters out there, man. There's like, someone asked like me if like I had hanging out outside the liquor store. Yeah, man, just like that's the like social a stoop. club. Yeah, they're just they're sitting there on the uh where you know the concrete things that they put at the end of parking spaces. They were on there just holding court, <laughs> What are those man. things called? Curbs? Yeah, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, car stops. I don't know. Car Bumper stops like door stops. Car stops. A gentleman was out there today. He I was, hope those are called car stops. He was he was holding court, man. He was he was asking. He me what an I audience. Of, uh, he had well, I think they were his friends, perhaps <laughs> per, perhaps uh, preaching to the choir. But he asked me. I was going inside. You know, I was I was going in. I was grabbing a, a six pack of beer, and uh, he gave me the inquiry. He said, "Hey, what do you think of the Dolphins this year?" <laughs> I said, I, man, it's February. I don't, I don't think about the Dolphins. Yeah, it's March now. I guess I, I don't. Uh, I think they're a, a football team. I, that's what I know. You know what you should say when someone
1: asks you down here about the Dolphins? You should say, in the words of the great musical philosopher Darius Rucker, "I'm such a baby because the Dolphins make me cry." <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Darius like Rucker, man, he's he, talk about reinventing yourself. Yeah, man, he's a country star now, right? Yeah, man, like one of the biggest country stars in the country. We've started, by the way. So, oh, have we? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just, God. I just figure we just well, kind of dive into it.
0: There's, I'll tell you, man. Every, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting used to Florida, and we'll jump into the. Obviously, here's a great segue. We're in Florida because of the Cardinals, and we'll get into the Cardinals in a second. But I'm getting used to it because everything's a little different. Uh, you know, there's all the birds down here. They got the really long, narrow beaks. I saw a bunch of ducks with all white heads. My dog can't handle it. He's looking at like I'm encountering lizards. There was a lizard in my apartment. You had a lizard here There's in the a studio lizard in the studio. Yeah, all the cars are really nice in this area. Yeah, every yeah, and then I roll up in my uh, station's Ford Focus with a dented door and they they know who's on the block. How about this too? If you put palm trees anywhere,
1: like around anything, it instantly makes it look super classy. Like Oh yeah. There are palm, like I was walking into a gas station the other day. There's like palm trees out outside the Shell station and
0: it looks like the valet at like a Ritz-Carlton <laughs> in does, St. Louis. Which is hilarious because a lot of that comes from L.A. And you think of the palm trees in L.A. And like the glitz and, the, you know, uh, Rodeo Drive and all that. And they're not native to California. Those are all brought out there. So, but you're right. I You know, I walk. You, there's a Taco Bell. Taco Bell on my <laughs> way home with palm trees out front. And you're like, oh, wow, man. That's probably a, like a five-star Taco Bell. That's probably like number one on Yelp in the area. And I bet they got car stops in the parking <laughs> They got a couple car stops there in case you roll too far. But I'll tell you what, uh. What's not different uh, from St. Louis is the, these Cardinals down here oh. on the eve of games. That's Still a segue. That's a professional segue. Still got it. Um, you know, tomorrow, like kicking off. I guess by the time you listen to this, it'll be today. They're kicking off against uh, Florida Atlantic University. Austin Gomber, the alum, going to be taking the hill. Going to get the start, Mister O. Uh, he's also going to get an inning of work. Um, Austin Gomber is a, just a quick refresher for anybody who doesn't know. He was uh, co-minor league pitcher of the year, him and Alex Reyes. He was in low A, he was in Peoria. Had a pretty phenomenal year. I think he made some 22 starts maybe. He threw 135 innings, struck out 145 guys, walked 34. So he's going to be fun. I mean, for for uh, an essentially an exhibition game that, that really doesn't mean much, that's really just kind of to help the area, that's going to be a fun showcase for a guy that a lot of people haven't seen and, and probably haven't heard of. Yeah, I
1: think that the Cardinals minor league organization has a lot of those guys, a lot of pitchers that are maybe in the lower ranks. The guys that are up more major league ready, we're obviously really, really familiar with, whether it's Tyler Lyons, Tim Cooney, Marco Gonzalez. And I think you hear the word prospect, and you kind of think, well, those guys have been around for a while. Yeah, they have, but they haven't really cracked any sort of regularity. So a lot of the younger guys are, I guess, kind of what you would, Defined as maybe high-ceiling arms. Um, Weaver, obviously, a college-type guy who fits the mold of a Marco or a Waka, hasn't really followed the uh, trajectory of those guys in terms of reaching the big leagues, which probably has a lot to do with who they have in the big leagues. But then you got a lot of guys who are intriguing, who are kind of high-ceiling guys, who are power arms, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them in big league camp. So a chance to see Gomber, um, a chance to see him against opposition you know it's a little bit different and then I was talking to Kyle McClellan about this you can watch some of these guys all day in the live batting practice or as the the coaching staff calls it the live pitching practice but it's different when you're not pitching to your guys because when you're pitching to your guys there's obviously a screen around you there's feedback from the coaches you don't want to pitch inside you you maybe don't want to work the plate the way you would against an opponent in an actual game so You know, he's kind of the first one almost ceremoniously because of the opponent. But um, I'm anxious to see some of them, man. Again, I know it's spring training. You don't want to draw any wild conclusions, especially over the next couple of weeks when we're seeing a lot of guys who aren't on the 40-man and who are going to be sent back to their respective minor league camps here pretty soon. But we're going to see them in real action, and we're going to see them against other guys in a situation that's not as controlled when they're actually using their whole arsenal.
0: Well, yeah, and and the, Mike mentioned yesterday. Uh, obviously, Tuesday Cardinals were off. Monday after the inter squad game, Mike mentioned you know he doesn't have any intention of throwing you know the, the top names out there uh, for much of the game, but he does know that people are going to come to the game. They're going to want to see some pretty familiar names. Um, so you'll see a couple at bats, I'm sure, an inning in the field from from higher name guys. I don't anticipate any pitcher on the 40 man or on the 25 man roster. Uh, other than oh making an appearance this is definitely going to be you know a time to work in a lot of the younger guys who like you said yeah. um, might not be in camp as long but i think i think what tomorrow brings really is just kind of a nice ease in back to baseball you know crack of the bat no screens around the plate nothing like that um, i think what you're going to see Tomorrow is a lot of young guys having, a, having fun, trying to make an impression. And really, this is going to be a blast for FAU because they get to play against a major league team or at least uh, players who were drafted by a major league team. And I think, I'm think i looking forward to it. And then as we get into the regular games, I think we're really going to see a couple of things. You and I were talking about this before I turned on the mic. I, what's What I'm most excited for uh, is seeing Steven Piscotti, Randall Gritchick roaming the outfield out there. Uh, we saw in the inner squad game which is that's just a, a a pitcher essentially throwing batting practice with live fielders back there but gritchik uh, went yard twice biscotti went yard once um, gritchik's really flashing the power um, he's I mean he's humongous this year his arms are huge he's he looks even stronger than he was before and that's a guy that you know if you start seeing him through spring he's really going to bring a lot of electricity to what are usually pretty sleepy spring games because that's a guy that can light up a stadium with one swing.
1: And Piscotty kind of did that last year. Obviously, yeah. he does it differently. Um, he doesn't have the kind of uh, back of the baseball card power that Grichik does. I mean, he had a lot of power when he came up last year and into the postseason, but uh, he doesn't necessarily have the same kind of like eye popping batting practice power that Grichik yeah. does. But I thought he really caught everyone's attention last year in spring, whether it was how much he played, the frequency that he got on base, the I, I think um, – I don't know what the right word is. I think the, the bar was fairly low for what we expected from him defensively last year, and, and he wildly surpassed it in spring than yeah. throughout the year and, and with the big leagues. So, yeah, an opportunity for both those guys. Uh, but an opportunity for both those guys – with the expectations much higher. You know, it's not just gravy anymore, what you get from them, because all of a sudden, and and kind of as we related to when some of the pitchers take the jump from prospect to guys that are expected to contribute, these are two of the linchpins of the team. And in a lot of ways, the way that they go is how the team will go. And we could talk home runs, RBI, on-base percentage, Mm -hmm. whatever – I think right now, and, and again, this is to boil it down to its to its most rudimentary form. I, I think that right now, the number that I think is most important is how many games both those guys play. And yeah. if they combine for, I don't know, anything over 260, 270, I think that's huge. If you're talking about both those guys approaching 140 games, that would be huge. And the onus is kind of on both of them in different ways. Because Grichik has been plagued by injuries, whether they be weight room related, the elbow that I think it's hard to not draw the correlation from playing every day last year in the outfield and and developing an issue in your elbow uh, after throwing. Uh, Piscotty's been really, really durable, but there's a difference in being durable in high school and college and the
0: minor leagues and then being durable at the major league level, both physically and mentally. And durable in the sense that not getting injured is one thing but maintaining the ability and, and the skill that you have that makes you valuable over the course of hundred and let's say 40 games, not falling victim to the fatigue, you might not get injured, but you know, if you drop 30 points on it's your batting point. average near the back of the season, that's, that's still being durable, but it's still not, it's still not the longevity it's that you're looking point. for.
1: And I, I wonder too, and, and I don't think either of, I, I hate playing the mental game, and I hate trying to diagnose, you know, is the stage too big? These guys are professional athletes. So oh, yeah. They're professional ball players. But there still has to be a mental strain that comes with not only being on the big league roster, but expectations are sky high, man. Jason Hayward doesn't come back. Um, you've got the Cubs that everyone's talking about. Piscotty had an unbelievable, not only rookie year, but I thought – was was maybe the best player overall on the field in that at postseason times, series yeah, at times he really against was. the Cubs. So you got to carry that, man. And it's good that he's as mature as he is and as sharp as he is. And I thought your piece, talking about kind of his personality at KMOV.com, uh, was awesome. But you got to carry that over the course of an entire season. And the thing that I think is so remarkable about baseball over the last few years, and so remarkable about where the game is right now, is that you got a lot of young stars who have done that and have carried it. But, you know, how does Carlos Correa do it after this year? How does Manny Machado do it a couple of years in? I think Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are obviously kind of the poster children of yeah. those expectations, but they're also transcendent talents. You know, they're they're both, I think, once-in-a-generation type talents. Oh, yeah, they're, so, they're ha- a step above. Yeah, sure, yeah. So, so how do Gritchick and Piscotti and, you know, to a lesser extent um, – I guess not to a lesser extent, but Martinez and Waka. How do all of these young guys kind of embrace not only being great players, but embrace being the guys that are going to be the cornerstones, presumably of this franchise as we turn the page in a couple of years, however many years it is from Wainwright, Molina, Carpenter, Holiday, guys like that. Well, and, I mean, and, and and Colton Wong too. I think he's been, sorry to cut you off. Oh no, he, he's been around so much, but how does he handle those expectations? Because he talked about being hard on himself during the season, also.
0: Yeah, and I think Colton really we saw in the season last year really matured to past the point of driving himself insane with his own expectations, and and kind of easing into more reasonable longer views of, you know, it's not one game, it's not one play. You want to be perfect every time, but yeah. you you recover from that a little bit differently as you age. I think part of this, the stress that's being put on guys like Piscotty and guys like Gritchick, the media, we're also, uh, you know, to blame for that a little bit because those two have been front and center what seemed like every day. I mean, they got they got thrown right into it when you talk about expectations. You know, I wrote this piece on Piscotty, talked to him for a while, and I asked him, you know, how do you handle this stuff? You're, you're in camp not only a week, and you got – exclusives and you got feature stories, you got TV sit downs, you got radio, and and he's a guy that as I wrote in that that story, he's really well wired for this because he has this focus. He goes, I'm working on this today. And so all this other stuff will happen and I'll do it. But this is where all of my mental energy is. This is where all my focus is. And that's what he needs to do to approach this stuff because if you get wrapped up in all of it and there is a lot of it. and, And and it's not necessarily that you know they shouldn't be covered. They are two of the most compelling players on this roster. But These are guys that they're young and all of a sudden, like you said, their expectations have been ratcheted up. And before the games even start in spring, they have been put front and center in a lot of these stories and a lot of all the discussions that we're doing, even, even something like this. So how they handle that, how they handle the games. And I think for them, once they get into the games, all that becomes easier because you're just playing baseball again. You know, it's not, you're not learning about, you know, you're not, you're not constantly instead of doing drills, doing TV spots or something like that. But what, What I think also helps them quite a bit Is the fact that they're together You know, they're rooming together in spring Uh, You know, Randall talked about Having Piscotty come down to Texas During the offseason because Randall wanted to work On some pre-pitch uh, bat positioning and he liked how Piscotty helped him there and he's been wanting to go out to San Diego and work with Piscotty offseason to train because Piscati trains for flexibility and agility and, and Gritchick trains for you know that raw strength that can propel a ball 6,000 feet and they've kind of reached a nice symbiosis where they're very different personality types they disagree on almost everything but they are in the field together and they just click and I think for two guys to be going through this together, makes it makes a world of difference than if one star is being isolated as this is the linchpin to the team. And I think those two, that they can share that load and that they have guys like Waka – who have gone through it a couple times and Wong that have gone through it a couple times, that's going to make a huge difference. And it, we talked about it a while ago. Everyone talks about how young the Cubs are. And I'll look at the young Cubs. This is a team, this Cardinals team that has, when you start looking at what's it like being a young star, there's four or five games yeah. here. And, and that's what I think that gets overlooked by, by a lot of people. And if fans, media, everybody Because this Cardinal team has young players They've just been around a little bit longer And you yeah. forget how young they are And I think the reason that we probably
1: look at it different, and by we, I mean the media and fans, look at it differently than the Cubs is because it's not a group of young kids coming up together. It's a couple of guys who are being kind of integrated into a lineup that's been very veteran. And a lineup that they tried to make even more veteran, if they had brought Jason Hayward back, if, if David Price had come here, it'd be a, it'd be a veteran team. So yeah. you kind of compare and contrast that. And, you know, I, I always hate the... Oh shucks, the Cubs just don't know any better. Because I think that's demeaning to the talent that they have. It's a, it's a roster full yeah. of of top prospects, of top picks, uh, of guys that, that have been heralded and decorated as they've come up through the organization. Doesn't always happen with the Cardinals. And Randall Gritchick, I think some looked at him as a throw-in in the deal that brought Peter Borges to St. Louis. I know that's not how the Cardinals looked at him, but I think it's easy because of the ways in which some of the guys have been acquired and then integrated into the big league club. It doesn't really have the warning shot that the Cubs fired off in terms of bringing everyone up and, you know, the drama last year at this time about Chris Bryant's service time. And it almost seemed like there was a lot of suspense and a lot of drama about when we were going to see some of these guys Cardinals. They just kind of, blend them in and, and, and I don't mean to say that in like a romantic way or or um, suggest that that either way is better. It's just that the avenues for each of these guys to reach the big league clubs and for a lot of these young players to reach the big league clubs have been starkly different. And I think because of that, we try to frame, the clubs as different when i really think there are a lot more similarities than there are well, differences they are.
0: and well i think part of the reason that the young cubs really made such a splash and it's it's the young team it's because that was a team that languished for many many years and because and it was helps on the way helps on the way yeah, helps on and the way. when they came that was a page turn that was yeah. a transition no doubt whereas you know so it was more was made of this is the new generation. Look how young they are. And with the Cardinals, they've been fortunate enough to have more sustained success. So, as new guys came in, they got integrated to an already working system. But I agree with you 100%. I'm very, very tired of, oh, these young Cubs, they're having so much fun. They don't even realize the pressure. They don't know any better. It demeans them because it diminishes their victories and reduces them to almost luck or happenstance. Yeah. That they aren't, it, they are this good and they will continue to get better. And by saying it like that, it almost sounds like, well, this is something that will wear off when they suddenly realize where they are. This team isn't going away, and I think... It, I'm tired of the young cubs and the older cardinals this is these two franchises are are pretty similar i mean jake Arietta is not exactly 22 years old he's yeah. he's 30 john lester john lackey these guys have all been there even a even anthony time. rizzo man anthony rizzo has been around for a long time his big contract was 2 3 years ago already so i mean these and castro's gone but they they've had guys on this team that have been in the majors for a while like I mean, the castro cardinals. got called up in 2009 yeah i mean this the, they're, yes, they have a lot younger core contributors overall, but the average age of the guys that are on these teams, I mean, Michael Walker is not 30 years old. Yeah. that Half this bull Trevor Rosenthal, Seth Maness, Kevin Segrist, all those big arms out there, none of those guys are north of 26. You're talking about ARB guys or pre-ARB guys. Yeah, so I think, I mean, this is this is a young team, and that's why I think that the, the Randall Grichik, Stephen Piscotty, Well, that could be really, really daunting, they're in a situation now where there's a lot of guys to ease them in and they still have the veteran guys to kind of to t- to you know teach but there's a lot of young guys that they can lean on and be like all right look this is getting overwhelming i'm sure michael Walker could speak to that i mean he was the darling of of national media when he came up so i think they're going to do well i think the fact that they're they're working so tightly together is going to help them and you know if you want to talk about transitions and 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 this is not a very good one but how about how about Xiangwon oh and I know that you've workshopped how to pronounce that better than I have. We call him Mr. O. How about Mr. O coming over to Korea? We've seen a little bit from him, um, mostly live pitching. I think we'll see you know, him work on some stuff. But, I mean, this is a guy that – that seems to be having a blast. You know, he has his, his translator, Eugene Koo, with him at all times, and Eugene's a really cool dude. Um, but, you know, you see you see O and, and Molina chatting every day. You see Brian Pena chatting to him. You see Mike Leak talking to him. This is a guy that a lot of people don't know a lot about and haven't really seen a lot of. And he seems like he's having a blast in there. And it looks like, I mean, I stood behind him when he was throwing his bullpen. It looks like his ball is like a marionette. The thing just dances all over the place.
1: Yeah, ju- just another veteran guy who can provide a lot Uh, another veteran in that clubhouse even if you know he hasn't spent time in the majors and you know honestly an investment into that market we saw the cardinals a couple of years ago uh, invest similarly uh, in the deal for a diaz it was kind of a financially and and otherwise low risk deal but potentially a really high ceiling with not only Aladimus and yeah. his contributions and, and whatever they may be, but also uh, kind of dipping your toe in the water of the Cuban market, and you see that again here. And you know, if if you if you're the Cardinals and you go about your acquisitions the way that they do, you'd have to imagine that the book on this guy that they had is is tremendous, and and he was their guy. You know, it's not yeah. an accident or, or a reaction to missing out on someone else that you ended up with him. So because of that because of what he has, because of just you know the kind of games that he's pitched in. And I don't want to put too much weight into winning a gold medal at the Olympics or the World Baseball Classic or some of the games that he's pitched in uh, yeah, in the Far East. Yeah. But, I mean, he's won a lot of big games. So it's another guy that you would hope coming out of spring, Mike Matheny would be able to trust. And I think that trust has been the proverbial word where – You know, you hear him talk about Kevin Segrist and the 81 appearances last year. He says, those are pretty much all necessary appearances. And without those appearances, do we end up winning the division? Do we end up in the playoffs? Do we end up having to play a wild card game? So I think that his biggest asset could be, you know, if he gains the trust of Mike, if Jonathan Broxton, if, um, you know, a lot of these guys that are in the mix now in the bullpen have the Jordan Walden, have the trust of the coaching staff. It just lightens the burden on everyone, uh, the burden on everyone and, and the fact that he's a veteran and he's done it, obviously that helps.
0: Yeah, and I think he's I mean, he's got the he's got the certainly the repertoire, if you've seen yeah. any of the, the the videos on him and really just seeing him in person and he said he's still not he's still working on balance, he's not even really fine tuning the execution. He's got major league movement. I mean, nothing is straight. You talk to the catchers that caught him, Mike Ullman caught him and he said yeah. that's that's the thing is nothing is straight. And that's you know, control first, movement second, and he's got both of those already. How about Mike saying, like,
1: he may have a couple pitches that he hasn't really shown us. Yeah, he <laughs> said
0: he said he's playing it close to the vest. Is there yeah. a gyro ball? Well, and someone asked him about the rising fastball, and, and Mike says, no, there is no such thing as a rising fastball. But he, he made mention of that that, like, yeah, he, he's got a couple things that I don't think we've seen yet. Like, he's slow playing every it's sandbag awesome. in the lead. Yeah. Which I kind of Very love. mysterious
1: from if, the stone Buddha.
0: What if he comes out with a gyro ball? The At final the boss and his gyro Ball. Do you
1: remember Dice K's first start with the Red Sox? I I think I was at Mizzou. I want to say it was like the summer of 2007 when he came over. And there was so much mystery around him. But, again, expectation yeah. was so high. It's like if he didn't go out and go 25-2, and two, yeah. it was going to be a disappointment. Again, just a move that's kind of a complimentary move and a guy in the bullpen that, you know,
0: again, low risk, potentially high reward. Well, and speaking of veteran guys, um, you know, a lot of spring is going to be caught by Brian Pena, uh, another guy that we got to know really well in camp. He's one of the friendliest guys, I think, in the entire sport of baseball. Um, He gets along with everybody. He's always telling jokes. He's, during live pitching practice, he's appealing to imaginary umpires. Um, He's a guy that, that Mike said may have been the most improved catcher in camp because he wanted to work on his receiving, because he's always been seen as an offensive catcher. Um, He's, you know, the way he's blending in with this team and the way, you know, his philosophy is that you're married to every starter, you're married to every reliever. you got to know everything about them, what they like, what they don't like. You take a guy like that um, and bring him in, I think obviously Yadier Molina is what you hope to be an opening day catcher, but if he doesn't, uh, this you know, it seems like they're comfortable. Brian Pena has made everyone comfortable enough that, there's not too much trepidation if he has to go the first couple of weeks. Well, and for a
1: team that's been offensively challenged to have him yeah. to have the switch hitter, it just, and again, all respect to Tony Cruz. I know that whenever his name would come up in the clubhouse, there would be like a, a 15 minute aside yeah. where they'd basically lay rose petals at his feet. But, you know, he was an offensive liability. And while he was great defensively and, and no one worked harder than Tony. And I know everyone in the clubhouse loved him. Um, Again, I think you actually get a little bit excited about what Pena could potentially do offensively. The fact that he's then improving defensively, his receiving has improved, yeah. he's working with the audience, working with the pitching staff. Mike said something yesterday. He said, like, you know, our young guys are getting better just by working with him and just by having his encouragement. Just yeah, he by said every time,
0: every time they make a good pitch, Brian makes them feel like they're king of the world. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: great, man. So that's fun. And again, a huge contrast in terms of just a bubbly personality compared to Yachty. But, you know, Yachty obviously likes working with him. The clubhouse has obviously taken to him. A bit of a silver lining that he's been thrown into the fire to get immediately familiar with so much of the Cardinals staff because yeah. of the workload and I'm sure a workload that uh, he'll have during the spring. But, man, he's been great with some of the younger guys too, both him and Yachty, whether it's with Fryer or Mike Ullman or Carson Kelly. It's been fun. And I know you've spent a lot of time talking to the catchers and talking yeah. about kind of the process and and how they go about their business because they are kind of different cats. They're almost like goaltenders in the NHL. But, man, you know, he's been fun to watch, and, and I'll say that. I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> once the season starts, but he's been fun to watch. He's been fun to cover. I'm probably biased because he might – now be the best interview him and Brandon Moss might be the two best interviews in the clubhouse right now
0: yeah absolutely they're and they're two of the nicest guys in the world and they're they're very very genuine I think that's how you know I think that's why both of them assimilated with the team so quickly is they are genuinely interested in who you are as a person and they care and that comes across and to join a team that especially a team like the Cardinals going back to that youth thing that they've all come up together as well, a lot of them. So this is a very tight group. To join a team, And not to say that the Cardinals are difficult to join, certainly, but to join a team that knows each other this well and to blend in so quickly, you have to have that personality. And I think Brian Pena could get a lot more work than we anticipate in the regular season, at least early on, because Yadier Molina caught his first bullpen session on Monday, uh, you know, 15 or so pitches from Adam Wainwright, nothing full speed, but they ramped it up a little bit, said it felt good, um, you know he's he's going to be wearing that splint, going to be working through that, and and see how his hand comes along. But hitting is is a ways down the road. But I think at least early on, you have to imagine to protect him, Pena could get some more work. And this is a, a situation where finally, Yadier Molina, one of the most overworked and I'll say overworked not in a malicious sense just that for a catcher to catch as much that's a lot that's a lot of work only Sal Perez caught more and and he's about yeah. he's 8 years younger this is finally a chance to rest Molina who has dealt with injuries the last few seasons who has put a lot of miles on those knees and those hands to when when he needs it there's a comfort in, in, in sending in Pena behind him, and that's something that's a luxury that Mike hasn't necessarily had in years past. And I think that he's wanted to give Molina some re- some rest. but like Kevin Seegers's 81 appearances, it's necessary to have Molina behind the plate because he is he's uh, arguably For irreplaceable. Sure. So yeah, and you just hope that you're you know a lot of things have to break
1: right to be as proactive with rest as you want to be on paper in February. You know you yeah, got to be yeah, yeah. got to be healthy got to be playing well. Um, if you're down the stretch in a in a division race and and you need to win every single game, it's going to be hard to not trot your you guys go. out there yeah. every single game. But, you know, in a perfect world and, and even in a world where you just avoid the kind of catastrophic injuries that they dealt with last year, you'd be able to be a little more proactive and you'd be able to get Pena in there, feel good about him playing, feel good about him starting games. Same way as the back of the bullpen. You know, you bring in some guys, some complimentary guys with experience. And I go back to the word trust because Pena, I think the ability to show what he can do as a leader and as a defensive catcher right now in spring and in these sessions, while it may just look like live pitching practice or whatever, probably goes a long way to gain the trust of of Mike, a former catcher. Hear him speak as glowingly as he has about Brian, you would imagine that maybe he'll feel comfortable going to him maybe more than he did Tony Cruz in the past. And, And part of it has to be Yachty, too. You gotta go and say, listen, man, you know, we always hear about how Yachty, if he's not in the lineup, he will come to Mike Matheny and petition and demand to be put into the lineup. It doesn't work that way. And it can't work that way if you're gonna have guys fresh. And you know, when if you want, if you want, if you want level to peak
0: catcher that he can be for the next three years, he needs to dial back start the, the amount of exertion. Got to start now. So maybe you know
1: this spring is a good example of that, and it's it's again another silver lining. Maybe that all of a sudden you know he wants to be back there catching his guys in spring training, he can't be. So kind of take that out of his hands. Maybe you work with the trainers to come up with the plan during the season, and maybe you trust Brian Pena enough to you know, be excited about getting him into the lineup.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think um, that's a luxury they've had before. I think with Grichick, Uh if he can stay healthy with Piscotty, finding a little bit more power in his swing with Jorko available off the bench and, and to spell Colton Wong, that's a level of power they haven't yeah. had before. A healthy Brandon Moss, a healthy Matt Adams, a healthy Matt Holiday. I mean, what – I, I it's funny because if you look at it last year, you almost call these like luxuries that they didn't have before. But this is kind of how a major league team is supposed to be built. They got ravaged last year. And I think this is, while the names are largely the same, this is a very different Cardinal offense than a year prior. If if Now, contingent upon health, but even then, Jed Jorko's ability to send balls out of the park – uh, Brandon Moss, we've seen him swing a lot easier, a lot freer here in spring. Matt Adams feels like he's he's found his swing. He you know got back to the hitter that he wanted to be after that injury. This is a team that can finally stop going station to station or stop mm-hmm. relying on one or two guys in the offense, and then to be able to spell Yadier Molina behind the plate with a, a really strong hitting catcher. This is you know this was the Cubs division as of December, but I think this is they're going to have a lot harder time dealing with this Cardinal offense because it seems like it has way more teeth than than even I thought in November and December and as these things started to roll out. This team feels much more complete than I could have imagined.
1: Well, and I just think that's because they, they've been really good over the last few years. And pe- people ask me, you know, does everything need to go right for the Cardinals to get back to the playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, no. I think that just about everything went wrong last year. And I think that not only the National League Central, but really the National League is so close. You know, you've got the Cubs, the Giants, the Nationals, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Pirates. I mean, right there, I, I could see any of those six teams getting to the World Series right now. Yeah. Just, just because yeah. I, I, I think they're that close. I think that there are strong suits from each team. I think there are question marks, you know? Um, and if... Like, like to me, I'm always surprised at the perceived gap between the Cubs and the Cardinals and why there is the perceived gap. And I think that despite the winning 100 games last year, the issues that the Cardinals faced, there's almost an inherent belief outside of the organization that they're going to be dealing with the same things this year. That yeah. guys are going to get hurt again. And, you know, I look at... Why guys got hurt. Adam Wainwright, it was an Achilles. Mm-hmm. Matt Holiday, it was a quad while he was chasing down a fly ball. I know he's old, but it was a oh, quad while he was chasing down a fly a ball. Randall Grichick, we said elbow, but also weight room issues. Yeah. So flexibility issues. So perhaps. Are those injuries that you expect to happen again? Um, do you expect Jake we've talked about this, Jake Arietta's workload to catch up to him? Do you
0: expect No, it's I think it's safe to expect Jake Arietta to throw two hundred and thirty innings again.
1: Do you expect <laughs> um some of the question marks around the Cardinals, young guys, to um, also, you know, bemoan the Cubs? So again, I, I just keep coming back to like I think these teams are really similar. I think both of them are are really, really good. And I, I don't think anyone's going to run away with the NL Central, just as no one has the last couple of years. So I, I think that, you know, you're looking at teams that are 90 to 92 to 93 win teams, and uh, I think the Pirates aren't getting nearly enough attention. And I think it's Yeah, gonna they be never a, do. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's going to be another hyper-competitive
0: division in a really hyper-competitive league. Well, the thing is, though, what you're not taking into account, Chris, is the wild and wacky antics of Smoke and Joe oh, Madden. I know this gets you upset, and I kind of I wanted I I wanted to ask well, you about, it. and I, I I agree with you on this point that I don't know how long it's going to last, but I have a feeling that it will get a little bit old. That everything Joe Madden does, some of it pretty standard practice for spring training, is being treated as like he's the cool uncle to everyone in the league, and that's why the Cubs are succeeding. You mentioned the other day, you know. Oh, he gave him a short workout. Typical Joe Madden. You know, he's going to have him a short workout and send him yeah, home. The Cardinals were off. They were off. And the Cardinals had a short Drill workout. Terrell Sergeant them. Mike Matheny, they were <laughs> off. And they had a inter-squad game on a shorter practice day of the day before. I, yeah, I,
1: yeah. I, I I just think it's it's a disservice to the team and to their talent. And granted, Joe Madden did dress up like a clown and dance around an old Volkswagen bus yesterday. This is real. <laughs> I, I this know this it's is real. real. <laughs> um real. But, like, I saw a piece last week by Kerry Muscat who covers the Cubs for MLB.com, who it does is, it is a really nice job. But it said, Cubs camp is so fun, it's like Little League. So I'm like, well, what are they doing? Are they, like, bringing orange slices? Are they, like, <laughs> well, playing tree tickets? Are they playing running bases? Are they playing butts like, up? Yeah, yeah like, like, what are they doing? And it was that guys were moving around defensively. And I go back and I'm like, what? Did I missed something. The, the whole piece was about how it's like Little League and crazy and wild because guys are moving around defensively. And then you've got Matt Holiday working his tail off the first base. You've got Mike talking about corner outfielders and left-handed outfielders coming in to take grounders at third. Yachty taking grounders at short. This is what every team does. Yeah, I know. It's what every yeah. team does. So why do we need to pretend like <laughs> the Cubs are, like, you know, letting a koala bear play shortstop? Like, it, it's... <laughs> Everyone does the same it's thing. It's like they're
0: filming Ed 2 over there. There's
1: no, like, secret rest. Like, everyone does the same thing. And the 30 managers in a Major League Baseball are, I guess by virtue of their jobs, the 30 people most, and in- I'm not saying that, you know, every manager is a good manager, but there are only 30 of these guys on the planet. Yeah. And if any of them were that wacky or that wild or that zany, you know... It wouldn't have a job. So, like, I've sat and listened to Joe Madden. He's a brilliant baseball mind. So, again, to try to boil him down to the crazy uncle is just... I think it's just... It's stupid. And I roll my eyes at it, and I really hope that we don't have a full season of that. I really hope it's a full season of baseball and a couple of really good baseball teams because it's just dumb. And and I shouldn't get worked up about it except that I grew up in Chicago, and, you know, it, it just... I, I feel like the Cubs for so long wore the negative connotation of just being like the party animals. The fans just show up to Wrigley and drink beer. and Nobody cares. And now it's like you're being celebrated for like being Animal House. And it's not who they are. And they're a really good baseball team. And let's talk about the baseball.
0: Yeah, and I think that too. That it's just that it's exciting because they're doing it and they're younger. And Joe Madden, he's wacky and he likes to do those things. But but like know. do what? Like, like play guys at other positions? <laughs> well, they'll bring Matt Holliday's <laughs> playing first base.
1: <laughs> he's never even played right field before. Got him. He's I literally him. never played another position than
0: left field. Isn't that wacky? <laughs> you wouldn't describe Matt Holliday as wacky, I don't think ever. God. Uh, but I would say, you know, he, he's done the things that caught the attention, bringing animals into the clubhouse and stuff. <laughs> but like, that, that works for him, and that's his style, and I, I get that. But, like, there are things – I know Mike Matheny is not seen as is the, the, the bundle of fun that Joe Madden is, but they all do things that, that, that fit their team, and they find, they find stuff that works. Joe found this. It, it, at some point, I think you're right. This is, this is going to get old. It's time to get into baseball now. And and this has to stop being a, a sideshow. I'm I'm glad that they're doing it, and it is fun. I'm just getting sick of the obsession, the media obsession with it, where everything they do has a wacky spin to it. When sometimes, like you said, that's just standard practice. Guys play different positions. I wonder what the
1: media would have said if the Cubs had an inter-squad game and the losing team had to
0: clean toilets. Oh, you mean like happened on Monday here? Yeah. Yeah, losing team had to do all the clubhouse duties of the clubhouse attendance. So that meant doing dishes, vacuuming, cleaning the toilets, cleaning the spikes. The headline would have been like, Joe Madden takes his team back to the days of chores. <laughs> I know. And this happened here. And, and actually, the Cardinal, you know, a couple guys got pretty upset at us that we were taking photos of them cleaning shoes they were just cleaning shoes I didn't think that was ridiculous at all but there's like you said there's pride on the line for these guys but there was something fun you know and, and and Mike's in his office chuckling a little bit he's like yeah there's some grumpy guys out there but you know if that gets moved to Chicago it becomes something it becomes a national- Joe Madden gives <laughs> Anthony Rizzo a timeout it, it ends up on ESPN and Ugh sooner or later it's going to come back around where they're like they're going to be crushed under this like performative weight where everything they do is like what weird thing are you going to do oh these young kids what are you, you guys yeah. having so much fun sooner or later these guys are going to want to play baseball and be left alone joe madden has a swingers party in the dugout <laughs> during the fourth <laughs> inning uh, bases his lineup on who juggles best oh my god well tomorrow games you know i don't want to say games start but you know what i mean uh, tomorrow we get live baseball real baseball looking forward to it uh, gonna be a, a sunny day here in Jupiter gonna see Austin Gomber on the mound for what's gonna be it's got to be super fun for him to, to to be able to do this as an alumni or an alumnus I guess is a singular um, I'll be up there with you um, we'll be we'll be back here doing something for you on the radio I, I yeah
1: well and I'm excited too if I can give a plug Um Oh, The Bachelor
0: podcast? No. no. I Chris
1: Chris uh edits and co-hosts a Bachelor podcast. I do do that. And you can go to camlex.com to listen to that. But What's it called? It's called um uh For, For the Right F- Reasons. Oh, bro. No, it's just called CBS <laughs> Recaps The Bachelor. Uh, on a <laughs> It's
0: called Free and Easy. Uh,
1: on a note that many <laughs> that many more people probably care about I'm going to be uh, doing play-by-play for the game on Wednesday against FAU. I'll be on the game broadcast doing play-by-play on Friday, March 4th, on Tuesday, March 8th, on Thursday, March 10th, on Friday, March 11th. So I'm doing five games play-by-play that we will stream on Cardinals.com and the MLB at bat app, the games that are not on KMOX with Mike Shannon. So looking forward to that. That'll be good. Yeah. Looking forward to getting on the game broadcast. I, uh, if you need to know anything about FAU, I've got about three pages of notes here after visiting with uh, their SID and radio guy today, so <laughs> I'll tell you anything you want about FAU, but um, seriously, I'm really excited, uh, excited to do it, and, and hope people tune in. It's pretty
0: cool, man. You'll, you'll get listeners, man. People are hungry for these oh, games dude, to it, start. They love doing it. They and, love
1: listening. And you know, as, as you write, and as you cover the team for KMOV, the fans are insane, and that's what I love about them. So, yeah. really excited to do it, excited to talk some baseball, and... Uh, yeah, we'll be back to um, you know uh, to uh, break down all of Austin Gomber's pitches after you track them all. That'll be great, man. Can't wait.
0: That was our conversation for Chris Raby. I'm JJ Bailey. Thank you for listening to the Baseball STL podcast, brought to you by Dave Sinclair Ford. As always, we will see you next week, and thanks for listening.